Thank you, Sherry, for the little lesson there. Right. It's pretty hard to put words back. Once they're out, they're out. I, I want to read here from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Scripture here says this. The writer of Hebrews writes, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He's encouraging us to be Christ-centered. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I think sometimes we get off-center because that's what happens in our lives. We live in a world that is becoming more and more godless, more and more self-centered, more and more selfish. That's the world in which we live. And, and Satan has this plan. Satan has a great ambition. His ambition is that he knows that judgment is coming his way. And he is not going alone. He wants as many as possible to go with him. He wants to disappoint God. He wants to hurt God in the, in, in the most profound way. And his way is to do it through us who God loves. God loves us. Satan's ploy is to hurt God. So we find that there's a real force working against us. There's a, there's a battle that goes on daily in every Christian's life. We have that battle. And Satan is at work. But we don't have to give in to his work. I found this uh, comic in the Vernon local newspaper, and I hope you can read it. But it says this, I'm old enough to remember when cameras pointed the other way. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember the cameras pointed the other way. And you know what? I know when I was growing up, we didn't have cameras pointing our own way. They were all pointing at, at other people. Uh, the, the whole idea of, of a camera was... To, to take a picture of the moment that you were in, to remember other people, to, to build relationships that you had with them, to remember those relationships. It was never about me. It was about the people that you were taking a picture with. And later, of course, there's always this thing of saying, where are you? I see all these pictures, but you're never in the picture. Well, you didn't have an intention to be in the picture. Your intention was to have others see others and to have these memories. In years past, I spent a fair bit of time with some very elderly people, especially in some of these uh, senior lodges. And I met some, some, some older folks 
who had uh, lived, of course, a long time before I did. But they had stories, and, and they shared a lot of these stories about how they used to go and visit people. They used to go and visit people. They made the effort because they knew all these people in their communities, and they went to visit them. Even people that they weren't friends with, they made friends. There was this idea of a community and caring for the community. There was this idea, especially amongst farmers, that they cared about the farmer next to them. If somebody didn't get enough time to put their crop in, there were those who were there to help or take the crop off. If there was someone whose equipment broke down, there were others who jumped in with their equipment to help out. These were stories about how people cared for each other, had love and compassion for one another. It wasn't that long ago when I heard a story about one farmer who gloated over the fact that his neighbor's equipment broke down. As though somehow it was an advantage to him. Certainly wasn't love or care or concern. But that's the world, that's the real world we're living in. You know, the person sees a car broken down. Ha ha, his car's broken down. It's not, how can I help? It's a laugh. But it's not surprising because in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, Jesus said, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. The love of most will grow cold. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They will be proud. It was mentioned earlier. The days are shorter. The days are coming when Jesus will return. And here, Scripture says, in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. It's happening today. I don't know how close we are to that day, but I think we're getting very close. We are. We are getting very, very close. And and as I think back, I think how things have changed in my lifetime. And I haven't lived very long compared to some of you. (laughs) But how things have changed. I remember when I was about 8 to 10 years old. Our family went on a vacation to Radium Hot Springs. And as we arrived at Radium Hot Springs, my dad suddenly found out that he had left the money that he had planned for our holidays at home. So here we were at Radium Hot Springs looking for a week or two of vacation with no money. So my dad decided that he would see if he could find someone to lend him enough money to go back home. And as he talked to a few people in the campsites, 
there was a fellow that was just a few uh, sites down from us, and uh, he thought, well, maybe he could loan me some money. Needless to say, this guy was a total stranger, and instead of just giving him gas money, he said, you know what? You guys need this holiday. And he loaned him the money that my dad would have left at home, the whole amount for our vacation. Now, certainly today that doesn't seem like a lot of money, but I figured it out, and I figured that it was probably in today's value somewhere between twelve and $1,500. This guy was a stranger. My dad didn't know him. We didn't know him. He didn't know us. The point here is that life wasn't always centered on self. People actually cared about one another. They actually had a heart. People today would go, oh, well, I'm sorry. You see, back in those days when this happened, there were no credit cards. We didn't have MasterCard or Visa. There were no debit cards. There was no Interact Banking. I mean, dad was in a predicament. Today, we might not be in the same kind of predicament, but our hearts have grown, grown cold. Philippians chapter 2 was valued and lived out, which says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I don't think this guy was a Christian. But he still lived that out. Taking an interest in someone else. Would you have lent that money? If you'd have brought twelve to $1,500 on your vacation, would you have lent it? your neighboring camper. That takes a lot of faith and a lot of trust. And the moment we got home from our vacation, Dad went over to this fellow's house with thanksgiving and repayment. An unknown author wrote this. He said, I have seven educational degrees, but I found what people connect to is not my accomplishments, but my struggles. He said, my education intimidates people, but my rise from the worst places inspire people. They want to know how I made it out, what it was like to wash clothes in the bathroom of gas stations, what it was like moving daily from place to place or looking for love in the wrong places, having children very early in life, going through my distorted thinking. He says, I want you to acknowledge your struggles and know that you are not alone. When people see that you can make it, it will help them make it in this life and the next. He says, help people. Help people be Christ-centered, not self-centered. Be Christ-centered, not self-centered. 
I think this is what God wants us to do. And unless we evaluate ourselves to see whether we are God-centered or Christ-centered is important. And it begins, the evaluation begins with Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 to 39, where Jesus says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. So this morning, I would like us to evaluate and see where we're standing. Certainly, I do not indicate that we are self-centered people. I think most of us are not self-centered people, but we have bouts of self-centeredness. And we need to reflect upon that. So last week, we looked at three areas of self-centeredness and Christ-centeredness. And uh, these were comparisons that were given from Dale Campfield's study. I want us to participate a little bit. Uh, I didn't give you really much of a, an opportunity to do that last week. Uh, it just basically allowed us to, to think about some things. So I want to recap from last uh, week. We had self-centered people absorb the energy of those around you, can talk the talk, can talk the walk, and they drive you away, are inconsiderate. Those are the self-centered ideas that we looked at last week. And uh, then on the other side, we had Christ-centered, release the energy. Those who are Christ-centered, release the energy of God to those around them. Walk the talk. They don't just talk the walk. Draw you, pull you towards them or with them. That's the self-centered side of, of, of things. But I want us to take a look at, I, I've grouped them in a way so that we can actually see them there. There are commonalities between all of these. If we look at the first Christ-centered set, uh, what would be, in your opinion, the, the thing that is common between them all? And I want to get a response from you. So, okay, if we look at the first three, what do you find is common between them all? The first three self-centered items. What is the thing that you see that is common? What is the thread? Okay, um, maybe I should, uh, <laughs> okay, insecurity, what? Derek, insecurity, that is, that is, that is one, that's the kind of thing that I'm looking at. What is the thread? There's insecurity, pride, okay. Low self-esteem, lonely, pardon me, hatred, if, if, 
Okay, I, I'm just going to go there because th this is what I see. Okay, <laughs> and maybe you see things differently, and that's we're not called to see everything the same. But as I look at these first three, one of the things that I recognize is that each of these people are looking for value. They're looking to be valued. And because they are not valued, they want to grab the attention of people around them. And somehow they feel that if they have this attention and, and people gather around them, somehow there's value in this. They want to be important. Uh, they, they long to be more than what they are. They don't see themselves as much. And so they long to be more than what they are. And, and they also see themselves as being inadequate. And so they overcompromise in order to feel themselves as being adequate. Does that sound reasonable? Does that sound like you? It's just a question. It was a trick one, yeah. On the other side, the Christ-centered characteristics that are, that are shown up there, what do you find there is a common thread? Other-focused? Giving? Loving, they know who they are. Caring. They care, that's right, they care for one another. They have confidence in what? In Christ. They're not self-confident. They're confident in who God has made them. What, one of the, some of the things that I've got down here is that they're real. They are who they are. They're real. They're not trying to be somebody that they are not. They're trying to be exactly who they are. They're children of Christ. They live out the very things that they believe in. They live them out. That's part of their life. And, and it was mentioned, they care about others. Because they know that Christ cares. They have the heart of Christ, so they care for one another. There's another side that I see there, too, is, is that they're kingdom-focused. They're not self-focused. They're kingdom-focused. They see themselves as not being more, but see themselves as being less. So the other side wants to be more. But the Christ in that person wants to be more and they want to be less. I love the way John puts it when, when he meets Jesus and later he says, he, Jesus, must become more, I must become less. And really that's, that's what the Christ-centered person's attitude is. Christ needs to become more and I need to become less. I'm going to move on to uh, the next few that uh, we're going to take a look at, and it is self-centered people love to be acknowledged by others. Self-centered people love to be acknowledged by others. These are the kind of people who like to make their presence known. These are the kind of people who walk into a room and, I'm here! Everybody get excited because I'm here. Now the party can begin. 
They're the center of, of, of the whole group. They're, they're the ones who love to score the touchdown. You know, th- this is their moment of glory. And if that doesn't happen, what happens is they throw this pity party because they haven't been acknowledged or given enough credit. It's like, nobody likes me. Nobody wants me here. If they don't get this fanfare, it's like they've moved to the very opposite side. And now it's a pity party. It's a way of getting that attraction. They see their life as the person who can actually contribute to the whole. They see their life as a person who is indispensable among that group. Are we? I remember working in, in every job that I had. I always wanted my, to make myself indispensable. I wanted to do such a good job that the employer would never want to get rid of me. But I also knew that I was dispensable. I also knew that if I wasn't here, that business would carry on. They would find somebody else to take my place. The Christ-centered person, or Christ-centered people, love to acknowledge Christ. When they get into a group, nothing seems to be about them at all. Nothing at all. Everything is about the Lord. Everything is, is, is about God and about others. They're not concerned for themselves. They don't even think about themselves. Everything they do is a credit to Jesus or a credit to those who accomplish something. And their lives are really about revealing the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you're around those kind of people, you tend to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. You sense it in them. I know we have been in places, whether it's a restaurant or somewhere else, and the person has done absolutely nothing, yet you sit down and you look around and you go, that person is the Lord's. You sense it, you feel it. It's the way they carry themselves. It's the way they move. It's the way they act. You sense the humbleness in that person. Then self-centered people shine light on themselves. Self-centered people want the stage. They want the limelight. They love the attention. And they will get dramatic in order to get it. They will do something. If, if they walk into a place and, and, and they don't get that attention, they will say something. They will do something. They will act something out in order to get everybody to look in their direction. They see themselves as the people who are important. Christ-centered people shine light on others. They're never the person who is important in the group. They give credit to others who have made things possible. They credit God for his work, for his direction, for his involvement, and any other accomplishment. 
Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. These people know that they are the light, and they shine the light. They don't have to seek it. It's not for themselves. Self-centered people find fault in others. Self-centered people find fault in others. They search for dirt. They search for dirt. I mean, if, if there could be something found, they will find it. The question is why? Why do they want to find something on someone else? That's right. They want to bring the person down and bring themselves up. If they can find something wrong with someone else, it covers up their own inadequacies. It covers up their own faults. And people will focus on that person's fault instead of their own. They will see them as faultless in comparison. So they want to do that. Makes them feel better about themselves. Tearing themselves down makes themselves look better than they actually are. Christ-centered people, on the other hand, find the good in others. These are the kind of people who, if there's anything good, will focus on that good, and they will bring it to light. doesn't matter how bad that person is. I heard a story once about someone who, who met a woman who was so, in his terms, ugly, that Everybody, nobody could find anything good. And he looked at that woman and he said, you have beautiful teeth. He didn't see anything else but the teeth. Everyone else looked at everything else. But he looked at this woman's teeth. They find the good in someone. They don't exploit weaknesses. In fact, they highlight strengths. They point out the things that are good and powerful and, and, and helpful in that person. They encourage. These are the kind of people that you want to be around because they're always lifting you up. And seventh, uh, self-centered people love to be served. Self-centered people love to be served. These are the kind of people who feel that they deserve to be pampered. I mean, they have accomplishments, and so they expect the respect. They expect the red carpet. They expect to be served. Their focus is around themselves. They want people to wait on them. And they will actually find people who admire them. And they will take advantage of those people. If they can find somebody who admires them, they will get them to do all kinds of tasks for them and serve them. These are the kind of people that think that they have it all together. Then Christ-centered people, on the other hand, love to serve others. They're not looking at for it for themselves. Instead of being served, they want to serve. They have the true heart of a servant. They're outward focused. They're other focused. Instead of taking, they're the ones who are giving. 
They're constantly giving. Then lastly, on this list is self-centered people saying, I want it my way. Self-centered people saying, I want it my way. Do you remember the song that Frank Sinatra sang? I did it my way. That's the kind of attitude they have. They feel that they've planned, planned and, and charted the course, and they've taken careful step, steps along the way, and everything has turned out because they did it. They planned it. They made it work. They did it their own way. And they're proud of it. Christ-centered people, on the other hand, saying, God's way is my way. They never blame others. And they recognize God in every situation. There's a hymn that was uh, written by Linda Le or Lida Leach. And some of you may recognize the hymn. God's way is the best way, though I may not see, why sorrows and trials oft gather round me. He is ever seeking my gold to refine, so humbly I trust him, my Savior divine. They're never looking to do things their own way. They're always saying, Lord, what have you got for me today? I want to be on your agenda. If we look at these four that I've, five that I've just mentioned, again, we want to look at some commonalities there. What do you see in those who are Christ-centered in this group? What are the characteristics that are prominent? Uh, let's talk about the Christ-centered first. Self-centered, yeah. Oh, sorry, I mixed up. Self-centered, not Christ-centered. Self-centered. Sorry, my mistake. Okay, it is about them. Validation, okay. They're elevating themselves, yes. My way or the highway, yeah. They want to be the focus. So we have this sense of pride here, don't we? These people are proud people. These are not people who feel that they are undervalued. These are not people trying to gain value in their lives like the first set. These are people who think more of themselves than they ought to. They think themselves better, more important than other people. Superior. They see themselves as being more adequate. So there's quite a change in, in, in a different type of self-centered person. Those that feel inadequate, those that need value, and those that have too much. Let's... Yes, yes. Um, if we go to the second set, 
the Christ-centered folks? What are the characteristics you see in them? Christ-like characteristics? Faith. Love? Serving others. Compassion? Yeah. The fruit of the spirits. Yeah. The fruit of the spirit is, is really evident there, isn't it? Humility. Giving of self, yes. Loving God, loving one another, loving the, their fellow human being. It, it is interesting, isn't it, how, how everything has changed there. Although the Christ-centered person from the first set overlaps with the second set. There isn't a difference there. They still have this whole idea of being real because it comes from inside of themselves. Uh, they're not trying to be someone that they're not. They're trying to be exactly who they are. They are a child in Christ, and they want to reflect the very fact that they have their faith and love in Christ. They live out, again, they live out what they believe. It's part of their life. And it was mentioned, they truly care. They truly care about the other person. They're on a mission, on a kingdom mission, to glorify God, not to glorify self, but to glorify God. They assume less of self and more of Christ. We also notice that they put others ahead of themselves. And that's an important one, putting others ahead of yourself. We also notice that there's nothing there about themselves. That's an important thing to remember. There's nothing there about themselves. They don't care to be an attraction. And they have a full dependency on God, not on themselves. Now to say that I'm totally Christ-centered <laughs> would be untrue. I couldn't possibly be that. There are always times when, when self gets in the way. But as I said before, I'm on a journey. We're on a journey. And the important thing is to recognize that we're on that journey. The important thing is, is that when times come about, when all of a sudden you find yourself thinking about these values that you want when you get come to a place where you're thinking about it, it could be anything it could be uh, a, during the time that you are with friends if you find yourself being the center of it all maybe at this point you go whoa is this really what it means to be christ-centered uh, maybe it's something that happens within the church you want your way, all of a sudden you're going to go, wait a minute, is that Christ-centered or is that self-centered? 
So it's important that we recognize these things. If we are to be the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we have to be God-centered. If we are self-centered, everything will fall apart. I know this much, that when I'm self-centered, things don't usually go well. And I also know that when I am Christ-centered, everything seems to work out. It just happens that way. Everything works out when I think about being Christ-centered, and I am Christ-centered. So the question for, for us as we close today is, do you desire to be Christ-centered? Or do you desire to be self-centered? Do you want life to be about you? Or do you want life to be about Christ? If you are truly saved, the Spirit of God is truly living in you then you will have a desire to be Christ-centered. That will be your desire. If the Spirit of God is not living in you, you're going to be thinking about, yeah, yourself. What's in it for you? Jesus went to the cross not thinking about what's in it for himself. He went to the cross thinking about what it, What's in it for us? It was for us. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to go to that extent. He didn't have to care about us. If God wanted to, he could have wiped the whole human race out and started again with perfect people. But he loves us. He went to the cross because... He was other-centered because of the love that he had for us. How do we help others become Christ-centered? I don't have an answer. We do pray for them. We example our lives. But I don't have the answer for you. That's an answer that you need to figure out for yourself. How do I become more Christ-centered? How do I feed into the lives of those who have value issues? How do I feed into those people's lives? How do I become a tool, an instrument, a person who has a powerful impact and those that are struggling. Those are answers that you have to come up with. Next week I want to go through the three final comparisons. And, and my hope is that we are moved to make Jesus the center of our lives. Because this is far more about us than we really realize. We're not supposed to be self-centered, but it is about us. It's not to center everything around us, but we have to center enough around us to become Christ-centered. 
we have to think about how we can become more effective in winning hearts and lives through our witness and through our testimony. Jesus wants to build a kingdom and he wants to do it through us. And he can't do it when our eyes aren't on him. But he can do it when we are focused upon him. So Father, this morning, help us to see ourselves. Help us to look into the mirror and to recognize who we are. Help us, Lord, to to turn from our selfish ways and help us, Lord, to focus upon you and to love people the way that you do, to allow your life to be lived in and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. I just want to end with these words. Love God, love people, and do something. Amen.